Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. We are talking to Olesia Brulina. She, last time we talked to her, was very pregnant and full of energy, and now she's very postpartum and full of energy. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Congratulations. Thank you. It was a road to be traveled on. Isn't it always? We got here. We got here. Yes. Well, you're on the other side of the finish line. We want to know everything about how you got there. But before we do that, let's recap a tiny bit. You were pregnant when we talked to you last. You live in the woods and you came to the big city to have your baby at a hospital. And your plan was, if I remember correctly, like number one, you wanted to feel intensity in your body. And I got that gift. (laughs) Okay. Mission check. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you wanted things to be on the natural side. So long as it made sense for them to be there. And you said you're a good pivoter. And uh, you wanted whimsical. And you wanted to be fully present. And did you do your 23andMe yet? No, we just got home. My husband ordered the box too. So we are going to do it this week. It's like literally on our family to do this chart. I guess we'll have to answer the Jewy question on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> All right. So tell me everything. So how were the last weeks of your pregnancy? The last weeks of my pregnancy were um, really tough. My hips kept coming out of their socket, which is really difficult, obviously, as you well know, you put them in mm-hmm. and, um, and then your colleagues did as well. So it was really challenging. I couldn't walk more than 20 feet. I was in chronic pain and I was falling over quite a bit quite frankly, and like using the walls and just those last about 10 days were brutal just because you're uncomfortable. And my little munchkin was more than happy to stay in there as long as humanly possible. So at at day 40, I was like, I am done. My due date, I was just like, I am not going to 41 weeks. Get this baby out of me. All my beautiful, natural ideas were getting very close to coming out of the window because I was <laughs> like, I can't do this. And I called my doctor, Rothbard, and it's like, we're coming in. Please do a membrane sweep. Like, get this moving because I cannot make it to 41. There's no way. Yeah, mentally. And like, even then you're kind of a badass. You've been through a lot and you know how to power through things. Um, And also you have this weird connective tissue. I do. I I have hypermobile EDS, everyone. The reason why my hips and my ligaments cannot support my bone structure. I'm really stretchy, which is awesome. I didn't get one stretch mark. Phenomenal. (laughs) Hey, so Uh, for lining. Silver lining, I'm very like malleable. Bad side effect is I'm too malleable. So my hips won't stay in. My ligaments can't support the weight of my body and definitely we're not into supporting the weight of my body plus my baby's body plus we're shifting downward and gravity. It's just a bad combination. Yeah, I think it's Um, important to know that, you know, as a listener, because you are super. So to hear you on the one hand say, I couldn't go past 40 weeks. Um, I know that's not true in a normal situation, but most people say that, by the way, like I put a fork in me, I'm done. Usually 39, 40, you go one day over that, you know, fake date that is supposed to be some sort of end date finish line. And your mind just explodes with, oh my God, we're late. Right. And it's uncomfortable for most people, but for you, extra uncomfortable because, again, your body has a hard time containing itself without a baby inside you. So at that point, were you having any signs of getting closer? 
nothing. She was so happy. She never stopped moving. She was doing her normal kicks and like her little things. I was like, oh, you're not coming up. We're going to be 42 weeks. Like you are comfortable. I had no indication that she was going to come earthside whatsoever. And I just know my mental health because if I hadn't been in chronic pain for that long prior to, I think I would have been like, whatever, we'll just wait and try to go that natural path and let her take her time. But I was in so much pain that I started noticing I was getting depressed Mm. because I couldn't leave the house that we rent this little bungalow in the Venice Beach Canals and this beautiful canal view. And I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't take a walk. I couldn't go past my front door. So I was just getting depressed because I was stuck in this beautiful little bungalow. But okay. I can't go to the store. I can't do anything. So the things that you recommend, like take a walk, take your mind off. I'm like, I literally can't. Right. Sit on the couch and sit on the couch and sit, sit on, on the, the couch. couch. And, and I actually, ironically enough, don't like watching television oh. that much. So my husband's like, watch a movie. And I was like, I don't want to watch a movie. <laughs> can I ask you a weird question? Yeah. Is it weird to watch yourself on television? Yeah, it's horrible. I like my husband still hasn't seen like probably two thirds of the films I've done because I won't let him. I'm like, no, don't do it. Watching NCIS LA though, because I really love that cast. I do. I'll watch those episodes. I really love the cast. I love my character. And I think it's such a different side of me that it's really fun. And then my family is into it and all my friends watch that show. So that's the only one thus far that I share. Yeah. I haven't seen anything that I filmed ever. Well, we're about to, the world's about to see it. Berlin's about to be a famous actor. Uh, All the public exposure is killing me. mm, You just wait. Um, (laughs) Wait, but yeah, if I don't watch it, then I will have watched 0% of the things I've done. There you go. You're going to see it. You're going to love it. Your family's going to be so happy for you. Oh, thank you. Okay, back to you. So nothing's happening. You're very uncomfortable. You don't like watching TV. And you're stuck in your little bungalow, like dysfunctional and you're young, strong and healthy. So it's a 36 and I'm super healthy. And luckily, you know what? I talked to my husband and I was like, look, if this continues, I just know that my mental health is not going to go well. And if I start postpartum with my mental health already low, I just don't see this going well. Then I do not struggle. I have learned to deal with and adjust living with depression. So I didn't want that to be stimulated to a degree where I'm already like starting off on the wrong foot, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that was a no, big part. It makes a ton of sense. And it's amazing that you have that consciousness to realize that it was starting to go down that path and you need to take action. That's very strong also. Um, yeah, but the the contrast between being young, strong and healthy and not being able to get off your bum and do anything is got to be, you know, for anybody, I think it would be very, very difficult mentally. Okay, so hey, Dr. Rothbard, sweet remembrance. Uh, did he do it? He did. It was so painful. Did not expect that. I was like, whoa, that's a, just a lot of pressure and strange concept of having someone just like in there and like, you know, and you've been protecting that belly for nine months and all of a sudden there's like a hand in there moving stuff around. Right, um, but it worked. Head. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Um, Can I ask you this question? Had you been having pelvic exams at all? No. Oh, so it could be that even just a, a pelvic exam would have felt that way, not necessarily membrane sweep being so crazy on its own. Oh, good to know. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't have any pelvic exams. So that was my first one. And I was like, whoa, this is intense. So yes, I haven't had any pelvic exams 
And that was the first time I got checked. And it was really just a lot of pressure. I mean, Rothbard's an amazing doctor. So it's not like it was on him. It was just my body was adjusting to it. Then we went home. And by 7 p.m. that day, I started having contractions. And I was so excited. Because you wanted to feel them. like uh, I did. I wanted to feel them. Like and so for uh, nobody else on the planet, just no one, just me. Uh huh. So July 29th at 718, I started getting contractions, which was wonderful. They were one minute contractions and they were 13 minutes apart. Wow. They started at a full minute. Yep. One whole minute, which is what insane. Did, what but, did they feel? Uh, I'm used to having really intense menstrual cramps. And I've had ovarian cysts pop. So I don't really know the average intensity. I was just like, oh, these are really bad menstrual cramps. But I could still function through them. I could still go make like a cup of tea or have some food and just kind of use my breath and what my doula taught me to get through the process. And I was so excited that we were starting the initiation of giving birth and going into labor that I was looking forward to them in a weird, twisted way. Yeah. And... (laughs) (laughs) but where did you feel them kind of like where my ovaries would be like in my lower pelvic area i didn't have any back labor it was all in my belly and in my pelvic lower area which was wonderful i have two questions for you number one when dr rothbard did the sweep it's essentially kind of like a modified pelvic exam anyway did you get any data from that in terms of if your cervix had been making any changes I think he did tell me I was like one centimeter dilated or I was starting to get dilated, but yeah, so nothing crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then my other question is with the surges that started several hours later, did it take a few for you to realize what was happening or are you like, Oh, that's it. No, I knew because she was so comfortable and cozy and I had no signs when I started getting those deep rushes, I was like, Ooh, it felt like a period cramp. And I was like, yeah, this feels like what it is. And then I got my little tracker down on my phone and and was able to time them. And once they got to a minute, I was like, "Mm, this is what this is. And we timed them for an hour prior to getting excited or making any phone calls or anything like that. And once it was really consistent for, you know, every 13 minutes for a minute, I was like, okay, this is labor. Okay. So that would be like four contractions an hour. Yeah. Which isn't crazy. So then that continued throughout the night and we called my doula to let her know and she encouraged us to sleep and rest in between. So my husband and I just stayed in bed and we breathed together through them and I was able to rest and sleep and go to the bathroom and do all the things that I needed to do. The next morning, my attractions were one minute long and 10 minutes apart for 12 hours. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't see that coming. Okay, we're going to take a little break here, and when we come back, we're going to find out what happened over those 12 (laughs) hours. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, 
Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back. We are talking to Olasia Rulina. Okay, to recap, you have your membrane swept. It feels horrible to you. I mean, I've never had the pleasure. And then <laughs> you go home and you start having contractions that are very tolerable, menstrual cramps for you. And they're 13 minutes apart, but lasting a minute in peace. And after a nighttime of sort of sleeping, getting up, doing your daily things, you start to have surges that are closer together, just 10 minutes apart now, still a minute apiece for 12 hours. But I mean, only we know that now. How did that 12 hours progress? I mean, did you think you would have the baby by the end of that 12 hours? I thought we were getting close. I thought, you know, 12 hours plus the night prior to you. So I was like, I've got to be at least like four centimeters dilated, like things that are shifting, right? Especially once they were 10 minutes apart for 12 hours. I am progressively getting more intense and, and closer together and closer together. Yes. And so I was like, okay, like this is great, but it is my first baby. I didn't want to jump the gun and rush to Cedar Sinai and be like, ah, and then for them to tell me I'm like one centimeter dilated and not a face. So yeah. I really wanted to stay and labor at home as long as possible and really utilize those tools that my doula and my research and what I just, my friends, the website, Your Zen Mama, <laughs> everyone ah. recommended. So I was like, I'll just stay home for as long as it's doable or I'm still uncomfortably comfortable. And for me, my mom was home with us and I still hadn't had our doula come. And I took a shower. I was in bed. My mom went and got us lunch and I had soup and my husband bought me flowers um, a massive arrangement of flowers so I could make flower arrangements to distract myself. Oh, and, is that a hobby of yours? Yeah, I, I just love beauty and who doesn't? And the idea of just like fresh flowers in the home always makes me really happy. So he just bought me an, a massive car full of flowers. So my mom and I filled every like water container in the rent of the house with flowers. And that was a beautiful distraction. And I was creating beauty while also being in pain. And mm. I'm really lucky. I married a very intuitive man. He's a gem of a human, uh, let alone a husband. And he knew that if I was creating while also being uncomfortable, that that would help my brain synapses create a different pathway. Mm -hmm. That's if so that cool. makes sense. Yeah. What other things, because uh, you talked about your coping things from your doula and from your training and stuff like that. What else was helpful to you? One of my best friends, Monique Coleman, who was in the High School Musical franchise with me and is like a UN youth ambassador and all these incredible things. She has got the voice of an angel and she's used to orating and presenting herself on stage and being a motivational speaker. She came over and she helped me create my vision board of the things I wanted to hear while in labor and then when she left she went to a recording studio and put those things into a voice note a recorded audio for me and it is absolutely beautiful Ooh. so when i felt tired of these 12 hours 
and one minute contractions, 10 minutes apart, I would play her, her audio. And it starts with this calming inhale and exhale of her breathing. And then she says the things that I wanted to hear were low tones, low groans to remind me to stay low in my voice and not go high because that boosts cortisol, right? And over the audio, it says, you are safe, you are loved, and everything is going to be okay, which is what I use in acting to get me to stay vulnerable so I can Mm -hmm. cry. I have to feel safe. And then she had a really beautiful part where she's like, you are on an adventure and reminded me to have fun as these rushes were coming through. And the birth is sexy, raw and sensual and wild. And I was like, yes, it is. And I kept changing outfits. That's something I did in every, like probably four hours, I would change into a different flowy, whimsical dress because it helped me transition to like another chapter. Mm. So I wanted to stay like whimsical and light. Was that a conscious thought? I'm gonna. No, I just did it naturally. And it was only after I saw our birth video, which my husband, unbeknownst really to me, was shooting the whole time. (laughs) I I was like, did I change five times? He's like, yeah, you just kept changing dresses. And it was only whimsical, like eco-friendly dresses (laughs) that I would wear. I was like, okay, like that's where I wanted to be. So yeah, having Monique's voice note played over the little speaker system that we had and having the voice of someone I love and admire and trust so deeply really helped me stay grounded and push through those 12 hours relatively easily because I felt like I had family all around me, even though Monique wasn't physically there. I just felt really supported. And her voice is just so soothing. It's like butter. So that was one of my (laughs) coping techniques. I feel like such a bad supporter. I didn't make you anything. No, you didn't. Sorry, I'll see you like a couple, <laughs> a couple weeks to put my hips back in their sockets. Okay, I'll do that at least. Uh, so then, yeah. So between Monique and the flowers that my husband bought, my mom just making sure I stayed nourished and had a lot of fluids and food in my belly. So then 12 hours in, we, you know, we're getting into a lot of pain. And my dog never left my side. Oh, male or so female dog? Little girl. Her name is Lady. She's four pounds. She's so cute. She's 10. Oh, wow. Okay. She's been around the block. Yes. So at this point, I'm 24 hours into labor that evening. And I finally called my doula because my contractions were now five minutes apart. Still about a minute? Yes. They never left a minute mark. Oh, really? And still in the front? Yes. Always in the front. The entire birth process my labor is always in the front which is i think normal it's great but when you say they got more intense so just describe that more pressure the intensity i would describe was just more pressure almost like i could feel her dropping down and the gravity of her i could feel it in my hips and then almost like my hips were squeezing in and that pressure got more and more intense so it went from intense cramps to like intense cramps, but I'm trying to run while having them. Oh. It's very physically uncomfortable and squeezing. I was like, ooh. And I could no longer do an activity while having a rush. I couldn't have a snack or be walking or, you know, sitting even on the birth ball. I had to kind of just stop whatever I was doing and really breathe in and groan with that low voice and take that one minute and get quiet because prior to it was still being me and like cracking up jokes and being cute and entertaining 
And then <laughs> at 24 hours, the cute, entertaining had left the building, you know? So, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I was still very nice. It just wasn't on anymore. Okay. But which um, is, up until that point, did you have what you wanted? You wanted to feel intensity in your body. Not yet. Okay. So you're still thirsty for something that didn't happen yet. Yeah, I, I was really interested in this process. And I thought, okay, I should be like at least forcing them readers dilated. And that after 24 hours, we did call my doula, Janet. She came over and rubbed my back and did all the magical doula things that doulas do and adjusted me in different birth positions and used the, it's like a Brazilian Rebozo? scarf. Yeah, yes. Rebozo. Mexican. Yes. She used a Rebozo on me and had me lay on my belly on pillows but what I noticed, and this is around like 11 p.m., that 24 hours later, that using the techniques wasn't helping. And the techniques started to really hurt because oh. my hips really hurt. Which part I, of your hips? The socket. The so ball and socket on the side. The ball and, yes, on both sides. And oh. I couldn't get on all fours because the pressure was too much on my hips. So I had to put pillows underneath. I couldn't bounce on the birth ball. That hurt. I couldn't stand. I couldn't squat. And I was like, oh, this is just getting really complicated. So at that point, since my contractions were five minutes apart, still lasting a minute, my husband was like, well, let's you know, maybe go to the hospital. Just because you're so uncomfortable, I don't want to have you try to walk to the car at, you know, four hours from now when it could mm. be even more difficult for you to check in and go through the process of changing your environment. Uh, so we did. We went to Cedar Sinai, and I had contractions the entire time. In it the was car, only like, yep, in the car. How long is that ride? Probably like twenty minutes. Okay, it's late at night. It's late at night. It's like twenty, thirty minutes, but my contractions are every five minutes. Oh gosh, so, so yeah, it was brutal. I was. What position were you in the car? Just sitting, buckled up like a safe person. What? <laughs> yeah, the, I just sat in the front. Yeah, in the front seat, I just buckled up. I was like, this is it. Like, I should be safe. So I buckled okay. up. And just Two questions. One is, was your brain like, I got to get out of this position? or you... Oh, the whole time. Okay. And then second question is, prior to leaving, I'm curious if you tried submerging in water or not. I didn't. And I wish I had. Kind okay. of. Like 50% of me wishes I had taken a shower or got in the bathtub. The other 50% now knowing what happened at the hospital and I'm so uh, glad I did not get. <laughs> okay. All right. So I, stay tuned. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally stay tuned. Okay. Well, let's keep going. Get to the Cedars, which was beautiful. It was dark. And the way that you enter Cedars for labor, like you can see the Jewish star up there. And my oh. husband says like, honey, look. And I wish I had this on video because it's such a big moment in my mind. He's like, there's your North Star. And I started crying because I felt like I was going to a place where I'd be supported. And I don't know why I'm crying. I'm crying too. <laughs> I'm so emotional, but it was oh, so gosh. dark and it was just Jewish star. And I was going to go home. And, and you sick. might be Jewish. We don't I might know. be Jewish and my dual is Jewish. <laughs> and my husband's Jewish. Anyway, we get to the hospital. We get to Cedars. My contractions are now 1.5 minutes long. And they're coming every three minutes. Wow, intense. Intense. We check in. We call our doctor. They put me upstairs in this gorgeous room. And it has this giant bathtub, this beautiful shower. 
gorgeous view of the Hollywood Hills. I was like, who did we call to get this VIP room? <laughs> it was beautiful. Oh, and that must have been room one or two. It was so pretty. You know? And then Janet, our doula, had all these twinkly lights that she stickied to the wall. <laughs> and then she had a projector that projected that galaxy on the ceiling. And we turned oh. off all of the lights. So we just Aurora looked like this. Borealis? Yes, it was a magical psychedelic room. That I hope everyone else was enjoying. And then I got into the bath. This is the first time I got into water. And it was a game changer for me. I stayed in the bath for four hours. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. When you did triage, they must have checked your service. They did. Oh, yeah. They did do that. First of all, was it like when you had your membrane swept or was it more comfortable? My contractions were so intense and the pressure was so great that I, I don't remember, quite frankly. I was like, just okay. do your thing, put the things on me, like the IV. I had to do the hemlock. They asked uh, me if I wanted cool. to change. Heplock. Yes, heplock. No, hemlock. Yeah, that's poison. <laughs> um, want to change into a hospital gown? And I was like, no. So I kept my own clothes on. I wanted your my whimsical beautiful- yeah. yeah, eco-roomly life. And I was four centimeters, like three to four centimeters dilated and 90% effaced when I checked in. And is that news exciting to you, depressing to you, just no emotion attached? I thought that was good. Oh, okay. I was like, okay. Like we were at home. I was really calm. I love that I was 90% effaced because I knew that was step one Mm -hmm. before I could dilate. So I was like, oh, if I'm 90% effaced, then... Great, maybe I'll start dilating really quickly now that I'm at the hospital and maybe this will progress because it has been over twenty-four hours. And you're a few centimeters. So Yeah, I was like, okay, this it's, is good. Dilation's happening too. Um, and then you hop in the bath and it's a game changer, which means we should take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're talking to Alessia, but you already know that. Okay, here's the thing. You're such a great storyteller. Like, I'm feeling the emotions just listening to you. And I have the added benefit of watching you, looking at your face. Um, You're such a great storyteller. And, you know, it's still pretty fresh. It wasn't that long ago. Three days. Three days ago. Anyway, so things are picking up very intense, long contractions, a minute and a half, close together, about three minutes. And then you hop in the tub. So intuitively, I would have thought that was a game changer, possibly because of your hypermobile EDS. And the fact that no positions on dry land were comfortable for you still felt that intensity. So I'm glad you got some relief in there. Thank you. It was incredible. And it was a giant bathtub. It wasn't one of those like sad little hotel ones where they're like little. It had plenty of room in it and I could make it warm or warmer than probably suggested, but it was what I wanted. (laughs) And I stayed down there for four hours. And I will have to say our nursing staff, because we went through two shifts of nurses, was incredible. They wanted to continuously monitor my baby, which clearly isn't possible in the bathtub. bathtub well they have yeah. that little bluetooth thingy they ran out of the bluetooth thingy oh. but they found like a portable one for me they're like don't worry we'll find a portable one so she came into my room into my bathtub with me with all the goo and the jelly every 30 minutes and i was uh-huh. in there for four hours and i thought that was so sweet on her shift she just just kind and they oh, were with like an underwater probe 
you know, they had like this tilt to two sensors and my belly was protruding out of the water. So she put the goo <laughs> on and like, she, oh. she just made it work. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So telemetry, but even though you were in the room. Yeah. And I thought that was really sweet that there wasn't any pressure. Like, well, we can't accommodate that. You have to stay in bed. So they I stayed created that. for you. They did. So we stayed there for four hours. You said we, so did your husband come in the bath with you or just? No, he just sat on the corner with me for about two hours and then he switched shifts with my lights on or lights off? Lights off because we had the twinkly lights and the galaxy outside. In the bathroom? Oh, it just, you left the door. It just kind of bled in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you put anything in the water? No. Just plain water. I just wanted hot water and elation, I felt, because at this point it had been more than 24 hours of not having pressure on my hips was extraordinary. So I, we stayed in there for four hours and the time I would get up and use the bathroom and pee every like hour or so. But what I noticed is every time I stood up, the pressure of standing was so intense and I had a really hard time walking just those three feet to the toilet. And then if once on I, your hips, yes, I could feel my hips as if they were just being smashed mm. like you can't explain the amount of pain i mean is this a male thought you didn't want to just pee in the tub i don't know why i didn't pee in the tub no, i was I just was... trying to be like hygienic it sounds so uncomfortable in the moment i don't know why i didn't just let it go i pee in ocean all day long so okay. it's not like i'm shy no. okay but... just curious so yeah then i would pee but the second i would get up after releasing my bladder the rushes were so, I would get a rush instantly and it would be so intense. So is that like intensity in your body you were looking for? We're still not there yet. I was still like, oh, I got this. I definitely still believe that I was probably like six centimeters dilated. I was like, I'm almost there. I got this. And I felt so strong. Like you wanted to feel intensity. Yeah. This was still, still not there yet. Still like child's play. It wasn't child's play, but definitely. But I was still talking to my jewel. I was cracking jokes. I was making the nurses laugh in the bath. I knew you would do that. And I was entertaining the staff and like feeling myself because while in the bath, I could still have my personality, I guess, be intact in that way. Like the razzle dazzle entertainer was still very active. Mm -hmm. But the sec after four hours, I got up. And the rush was so intense that I was like, okay, let's have the nurses check me to see where I'm at because I'd like to know. And I had fear hit me for the first time. And this is where the intensity hit because I realized that I was too scared to get out of that bathtub because the pressure and the gravity was not something I was prepared to handle. And I knew that if we hadn't been at about six or seven centimeters dilated, I did not know if I could make it any further. I was like, oh, if I have 12 more hours of this, I was so exhausted and depleted because we have been in labor for so long that I couldn't logically see myself doing another 12 (laughs) with that amount of pain. Like, there's just no way. So we got out of the bathtub. I didn't have the strength to put clothes on, a gown on, nothing. And my doula and my husband just kind of, you know, dried me off with some towels and helped me walk to the hospital bed. I was able to lay down, but even side laying was so mm-hmm. painful. I couldn't find, there's no other position for me to be, like you said, out of water. 
I could not be on dry land and not be wanting to scream in agony. And it had nothing to do. It didn't feel like it had to do with the baby. I was like, no, she's just coming down. It's fine. It was just my bones hurt. Right, because you have different bones. Different bones. <laughs> casing. You have a different casing than most people. I mean, I don't even know if this would have been possible, but out of curiosity, does the thought right now, if you could transplant yourself back there, does the thought of laying with your belly in a hole face down feel like it would have been any hard to Maybe, because it would have been a different you know, energy of Just gravity like, no, hitting different no parts. No pressure on your hips. Yeah. It was okay. nuts. So then I had the nurse come and the midwife actually came and checked how far I was dilated. And I was fully effaced, which was mm -hmm. awesome, but only yeah. four centimeters dilated. Oy, so, so not much progress on that front. None. And so I broke down in tears because that was the moment where I realized, oh, I can't do this. And then transitioning, what that meant to me is like, I cannot physically do this on a natural level because now this is beyond birth. This is EDS birth <laughs> i did they acknowledge on. that for you they did they knew that i had it they were very conscious of it and i looked over at my husband and my doula who knew my birth plan and how much i wanted to have a natural experience and i then knew that that would have to change and pivot because if i was going to have the strength to push her vaginally out of me and to continue down this path, I knew I needed help and I needed a rest because I'm just not going to make it. And that was a big thing for me to swallow because obviously I had pride and I'm a strong little tyke and I really wanted to do this naturally. But, you know, you just have to shift and adjust and take care of yourself and be an advocate for your own well-being. And at that moment, I mean, that's what we needed to do. I've seen that moment many times. And I think it takes a lot of strength to be able to realize that's where you are and you know that your path from point a to point b is going to take a little detour from the path you had hoped to take it takes a lot of strength to just like say okay here we go but one thing i know about you is that you are good at pivoting and you enjoy change because i listened to the episode that we did before you had the baby ah. yeah i'm a fan so you change. I mean, great. Everybody, I assume, is on board with that. How long does it take for you to get some relief? Two seconds. The anesthesiologist came in and gave me an epidural really quickly. My contractions were, again, so intense. And I was bawling at this point. And from this point till the moment she came out of me, I did not stop crying. And I've oh, really? never had that much <laughs> fluid leave my body. But it was very interesting. It wasn't like sobbing. Yeah, it was just a sobby cry. It was just my eyes. And they gave me an epidural. He did a wonderful job. I started feeling relief pretty much instantly. And then it was a psychological game. So earlier when I said I wanted to feel that intensity, I thought that I wanted to feel it physically. Mm. And this is the plot twist. I felt that intensity mentally because wow. what I could endure physically is pretty limitless. But what I could endure mentally, that I have, you know, my own roadblocks and my own transitions. And so that intensity came through me accepting that my birth plan changed, that I couldn't do it naturally, that I had a medicated birth. And what did that mean to me? I've never done drugs in my life. So having my legs all of a sudden be paralyzed 
yes, you can feel them a little bit, but I couldn't control how my legs flopped to which side. I clearly couldn't get up. It was over, right? Mm. And all of a sudden, and I had a rush of adrenaline come through and you get these shivers from the adrenaline. And the only other times I felt adrenaline like that were in places of true fear from a fight and flight reflex. So here I was again, half paralyzed, super vulnerable, naked. And I say naked the entire rest of my labor because that's how I came out of the bath. And all of a sudden I'm having these PTSD rushes come back in and having these memories. And I look over at my husband and having these moments where I need him to reconnect with me. I'm like, oh, I need to stop shivering. I'm scared. And at that point, because he knows me so well, he would play my best friend's Monique's voice note that was so reassuring and calming and be like, Alicia, yes, you're getting this adrenaline rush. Yes, your teeth are chattering. You're getting cold. This is similar, but good pain is natural pain. And that's what you're having. And me psychologically having to go through that boot camp of like, this is intense. This is not the same. I'm going to make new memories. That's when that kicked in. And I felt fear and I felt my inability to really understand if I could break through those psychological roadblocks to make it to the birth. So the next however many hours to 48 at this point that it took to give birth to our little girl was me understanding that this was an adventure and it was a psychological one for me. Um, I need to process that. <laughs> That was a lot and very heavy. And I'm thinking back to things we talked about in the interview before you gave birth and trying to put the pieces together with what you just said. I feel like let's take another break and then come back and talk about that a bit more and see how this journey ends. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are talking to Olasia Rulina. Okay. Um, that was different. <laughs> First of all, you know, it's interesting that you wanted to feel some sort of huge intensity in what you thought was in your body. And you also talked about PTSD, right? And you're a survivor of various forms of abuse. And there's like, I think you said 10 years from like 16 on that you don't really remember anything because you just turned it all off. That's correct. Um, which sounds like numbness to me. And so on that level, it makes sense that you wanted to start feeling again, maybe use this opportunity to just turn everything back on and feel and experience life to its fullest again and put that PTSD in the past. During the break, you said something really powerful. You asked for that big, strong feeling and you got it, but it's not what you expected. You expected to feel it physically and you felt it emotionally and you just balled out a sea of tears. But What's so powerful is that, you know, you said you're a good pivoter. I guess to be a good pivoter, you sort of have to believe in the journey and the path and be like, oh, I thought we were supposed to go this way, but the universe is bringing me this way. And what you said during the break that was super powerful was that if you did not have that moment where you got the epidural, where you felt numb in your body, the opposite of what you were going for, that you could spotlight the emotional, like that's all you could feel really, and break sort of new heights for yourself. That's so powerful and incredible. 
Thank um, you. I've been to a lot of births and I've interviewed a lot of people about birth and this is brand new territory for me. So. Yeah, it was brand new territory for me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it was neat. And that's the beautiful part about retrospective points of view, right? If I hadn't had an epidural, if I hadn't had hypermobile EDS, if it didn't feel like my hips were literally going to be ripped either into my body or out of my body, I think I would have resorted back to, actually, I know I would have resorted back to the many personalities that we all have, right? And what toughed it out and have been this like strong Russian tyke that can handle anything. And I would have not gone to this incredibly vulnerable, gooey part of myself that I haven't visited since childhood, to tell you the truth. And it's a place where you are just honest and pure and accepting. And I don't remember the last time I did that. And I had to go through a valley of being half paralyzed and terrified because I was getting these rushes of PTSD and getting chills on my body. But that's when my husband came in and would pet my hand and tell me that this was a different memory. And then my doula would rub my feet, even though I can't feel my feet. Mm -hmm. But she would rub them for 30 minutes and adjust my body and switch directions. And my husband would brush my hair. And so even though I was in moments of fear and uncomfortability, I had so much nurture and care and love poured into me. And our hospital staff was so loving. And that's the moment I realized that this is the intensity I was looking for. And that intensity is actually love. For the first time in my life, I felt the intensity of love. And they say that in Hallmark cards, love conquers all, or it's the most powerful emotion in the world. And I had never felt it like that before, where everything around me was supportive and rooting for me. And that came from my daughter. And to sit with that for another God knows how many hours Hmm. in that state of paralysis, I was paralyzed in love. And I cannot explain what that feels like other than pure joy, but also slightly terrifying. Because once you feel that much love and support and nurture, you realize how strong that is. And if you step into that grace, how powerful you are and how beautiful your soul is, and how you can accomplish literally anything if you harness that, Mm. and how pure it is, and how much we have to protect it in ourselves and in others, especially children, right? So that is the intensity I was craving, and I definitely got it. And I picked up a book, ironically enough, like a day ago, two days ago, right before you called to check in on me. It's called All About Love by Bell Hook, Mm. if you haven't read it. And then in the Page four, there's a <laughs> definition from the book, The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. And he says that love is the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. And he for, uh, explains further that love is as love does. Love is an act of will, namely both an intention and an action. Will also implies choice. We do not have to love. We choose to love. Mm -hmm. So as I'm sitting there in this moment and fear and intensity, I realize that this is the love that my daughter is giving me. 
and that life is giving me and this opportunity is giving me. And I look over at my husband and I'm so grateful that he also has given me this opportunity that we've picked a place and a birthing team that is in alignment with that. And I know that's not everyone's story and not everyone's experience. And so I really grounded into that. And even though I'm shivering and cold and naked, and by the way, my water still has not broken. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still haven't had that. And every contraction, my baby's heart rate dips and they come in and they're like, don't worry, it's okay. But I know in the back of my mind that that's not a great thing. <laughs> and then I might have to get a C-section if it keeps dipping. And what does that look like? But somehow with that intensity and knowing that I was breaking through a mental block and receiving the goodness that the planet and this human experience, I guess my soul's having a human experience had to offer. It got me through the next couple of hours and I was able to rest and I was able to focus. And then when my doctor Rothbard did come and they checked me, they're like, okay, we can start pushing soon. They did end up giving me Pitocin on different levels here and there to just get things moving a little bit to get me dilated throughout the next couple of hours, which did make my rushes more intense, even though I had an epidural. And then weirdly enough, another pivot right before it's time for me to push. Our nurse was wonderful. She's like, okay, this might take like an hour, two hours, but don't worry, you're doing great. A fun side effect of hypermobile EDS is also that you process anesthesia really well. Oh, <laughs> like, no. It agents, It wore off. Even though oh. like an epidural is continuous, I needed yeah. like a labor epidural, like a pushing epidural, like a little ump, because all of a sudden, all of this pressure came back. And I was like, you've got to be kidding wow. me. <laughs> I'm at hour 46 or 47. I do not want to feel this right now. I'm going through so much psychologically that I literally cannot do mm. this. I can do the combo. <laughs> so they came um, in really quick. And give you a little bolus. Yeah, and they gave me like a baby little hit of fentanyl, I guess. Yes. I was like, okay, I've never been on drugs. Here we go, fentanyl. And not a Hollywood party, just Cedarside. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a Hollywood party. Yeah, kind of. Uh, um, and at that point, oh, this is a funny twist. Again, it just kept getting better and better. So our second shift nurse was also incredible. And her shift ended at 7 p.m. And it's currently like 6.20. She's like, I hope that I, I'm here for the little the munchkin. <laughs> and she was so in alignment with my birth plan. She had a V-back. And she's like, you can do this. You don't need a C-section. We got you. And she was the one that was monitoring the baby's heart rate when it would drop every time I had a rush. And I just had this idea. I was like, look, I didn't do a natural birth. I'm having a completely different experience, but I am going to have this nurse. Because if I get a different nurse halfway through pushing, it's a different energy shift. And I really wanted to keep something consistent. So Rothbard comes in. He's like, great, we can start pushing. I was like, awesome. And they put my legs up. My husband's holding one of my legs. My doula's holding the other because I clearly can't control my body. But they're making sure that my hips don't open too wide. All right. That's an issue for you, especially. Yep to make sure that we don't dislocate something in the process. And we start pushing and I quote everyone else and not me. So I'm not giving myself all the credit. They're like, you're an amazing pusher. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. And so I really engaged. I listened to their guidance 
we did not do like the countdown one, two, three, because I don't like numbers. They were like, you're doing wonderful going using words of affirmation. I pushed through three contractions and since they were coming so frequently and she was basically crowning. Oh. And then my nurse asked me to stop. <laughs> She's like, so you're doing really great. Rothbart has another patient that's oh, down. No. Like literally one room away from me. This is her second baby. She's having complications. She's scared and she's going to give birth like right now. Could you just hold off for like 10 minutes? Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? After 47 <laughs> hours? It's 10 more minutes anyway. I am like sweating <laughs> naked, having this emotional catharsis. <laughs> this baby is like literally four pushes away from coming out of my body. And they're like, oh. yeah, so can you just like hold on a second? <laughs> like, a little commercial four- break. Yeah, and you can have the on-call doctor birth your baby. And I just look over at my husband. I'm like, we came all this way to have somebody. Not that the doctor wouldn't have been amazing, but it's not our doctor. You don't have the relationships. No. So I was like, okay. So I stopped pushing. (laughs) Rothbart went and gave birth across the hall. Maybe 10 minutes or eight minutes he was gone. And we heard the cry. It was great. We're like, great. Baby's born. He comes back into my room. Obviously, it changed and everything. You can just tell that this man is like, okay, another baby. Let's go. And he sits down and I pushed her out within 10 contractions. Oh, wow. And my water still hadn't broken. So she was so coming out. On call. In the bag. In the bag. And her name on Dean means water goddess. Really? Yeah, it's French. And it means like a water you, nymph. Mermaid. You picked that beforehand. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. So I was like, of course she's on call and coming in a sack. She's a mermaid. She's gonna come out <laughs> in water. Yeah. And Rothbard, our doctor, asked as she's crowning, he's like, Hey, do you want me to we can give her birth to her in the sack? Would you want me to break your water for you? And the only reason I chose for him to break my water is because I could see my temperature was on the wall and my temperature was rising. Going up. Okay. Going up. And I was at 100.3 and every contraction, it was like 100.4. And he's like, if that keeps going, I have to give you antibiotics. And I just looked at her and I'm like, pop the water, get her out. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to have to add that to our birth as well. So I pushed and she crowned. We saw the little water sack. My husband got a video of it that yes in weird ways graphic but also so cool because you could see her hair floating <laughs> inside so, the back inside the yeah. water oh right wow crowning it was so cool oh, before he broke it right before he he broke it and so he broke it and then it pushed and she slid right out i did tear it in two places but first degree tears because i had to push so quickly and so intensely because my temperature was rising normally i would have waited and we would have pushed on a slower level but it was also almost seven my nurse was about to leave. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to have this baby before 7 p.m. Munchkin's I just did not. The munchkin's got to get here. We're at hour 48. Oh, oh. <laughs> get out. That's a long one. So two wow. pairs. Munchkin was born. She came out bright-eyed, super clean. She looked like a C-section baby because she was in the sack the whole time. So oh, right. her no, head no, wasn't. No major was molding. Like, no, she was perfectly like insulated in a cushion. And so she came out just wide-eyed screaming, had a very short umbilical cord, so she couldn't mm. even get 
past like my belly button. Oh, wow. And my husband got to cut the cord, which was beautiful. And I did have two tears, like I mentioned earlier, but they were first degree and one was horizontal, one was vertical. It was That was a treat. But of course, you don't even pay attention because there's a baby on you. And we did get to do uh, delayed cord cutting. And even with a tiny little cord, a little tiny cord, <laughs> we uh, Rafa, he looked over at me. He's like, it's been three minutes. I was like, okay, good enough. And then we did allow her to do like the natural boob crawl. She latched on instantly. Oh, wow. And has not latched off since. <laughs> we have a very strong Mama's latch. been busy. Uh-huh. Mama's been very busy. And we got an hour and a half. They waited to do all of her tests after the golden hour. And we got Cedars the snuggle. Like that. Yeah. And yeah. she's got like lavender and vanilla when she came out. Even the nurses Why? said that. They're like, she smells <laughs> like lavender. I'm like, I know. <laughs> lavender yeah. mermaid. Lavender mermaid, baby. And that was that. And we had a really beautiful bonding moment. And she never left my side at Cedars, which was so cool. I love that there was no taking my baby away. Even all the tests were done like four feet away from me. Which yeah. Was lovely. And. Yeah, that's my birth story. Alessia, that's an incredible birth story. And you're an incredible storyteller. I'm literally going to be processing this all night. Thank you. Oh, she was born at 642. I did get my nurse and she was seven pounds and two ounces, which I'm 5'2 and like 110 pounds. So I felt like that was a big baby. (laughs) Yeah, that's a healthy baby. 642, six and four plus two is six. There must be something there. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for sharing your beautiful, powerful story. Yeah, I'm going to be processing this tonight and listening to it again. There's just a lot of stuff here that is so intensely powerful and new to me, like new territory. So you're an amazing person. I appreciate you and I appreciate you for sharing the story so candidly. Just for the heck of it, we could probably see some pictures there, but where can we find you online? You can go to Instagram. And it's at Alicia, O-L-E-S-Y-A, R-U-L-I-N, Alicia Rulin. And I am launching a website soon. So that'll be up. It'll be the same thing. It'll be my name. So Instagram's kind of my thing. You can find me on there. That's where I am too. Yeah. And NCIS, guys. NCIS LA. How do you put that off? <laughs> I, have I know, right? I How do I one... make Russian accent? The way Americans oh. think Russians speak is like this, which is so not accurate, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, we hear it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's even worse for me. I have like one foreign accent, and it just has to fit all of the people I'm trying to talk like. What is it? That was it. <laughs> that was it. That is You're my just like miscellaneously, like Eastern European. Yeah, over German, there, over there. Over German this. and Australian. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, I'm going to let you go back to your full time job. And yes, yeah, so caring for that little munchkin. And I uh, will connect with you on Instagram. And you can also connect with us on Instagram. Oh, and your husband is the gem of a person, is going to share this experience from the male perspective. Yes, he is. He is going to share in the written word on your blog and the beautiful part is as i'm processing my own emotional box he had been his mom's one of his mom's primary caregivers as she was passing as well from cancer and so for him to be in a hospital 
with someone else he loves, another woman he loves who was also going through a big experience. So he got to rewrite his own memories of being in a hospital that were Uh positive as well. So it's really beautiful. I cannot wait to read that also. And just a, a different angle on this whole experience. All right. So anybody who's curious can find that at informedpregnancy.com. I cannot wait to see you and put your hips back in. Oh, I know. I can't wait to. I would like to walk smoother. Yeah. <laughs> smoother. All right. Big fat congratulations to you. Thank you.